Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta, your host as always. And today, it is the final position preview of the preseason. The final look at the 2021 Tar Heels in depth before we, uh, of course, start jumping into fall camp. And then, of course, start getting closer and closer to the season where we will be doing some fun editions of the podcast and then, of course, getting you prepared for the matchup with Virginia Tech. Today, it is the special teams edition of the podcast. And as always, Josh Marlowe joining me here to talk about a unit that under Mac Brown hasn't been quite as successful as it was under Larry Fedora, but it's something that Mac Brown wants to see more out of uh, going uh, forward, especially this upcoming season for Carolina and probably early on when Carolina is going to need it where their offense has uh, some unknowns, uh, you know, although we're still pretty confident, we, we the special teams could definitely help you there. Yeah, um, you know, we, we've joked about it in the last couple years when we made the transition from Larry Fedora to Mac Brown. We should have retained Larry as a special teams coach because that was the one unit that he coached while he was at Carolina that was consistently good. Um, but, you know, when you talk about, you know, when coaches talk about offense, defense, special teams, what's really showing up for Carolina where them being average has – hindered them from winning some big games. And it feels like this upcoming year, especially with the offense going to be a work in progress in September into October, they're going to need to be able to make field goals, whether from the 30 to 40 range or even 40 plus. They're going to be able to they, – they need to punt the ball and flip field position at times. They need they need big returns in the return game, something we haven't had since Anthony, Anthony Ratliff-Williams was returning kicks for Carolina. And uh, so hopefully we've, we've taken a step in the right direction that's been the one position group that Mac Brown hasn't been shy to be making changes with on his staff. You feel like the pressure is on once again this year, or that guy could get the axe. I definitely think that is possible. Um, I think that he's made it. He hasn't 
come out and said it, but I think he's made it pretty clear that this is a big year for special teams. And if it doesn't improve, there will be changes made. And that would not be the first change that he's made since he's been back there. He really wants this unit to be better than it has been. And look, there's a chance that this could be a really good unit for the Tar Heels. You talked about having a punter that can flip field position. The first two years for Ben Kiernan have been really, really good. He is one of the better punters in the ACC. There was a reason that this guy, Carolina, felt very confident could come in and take over as a true freshman. And his true freshman year was good. Last year was better. He's a guy that I think is probably one of the better punters in the ACC. So that's not an area that I'm really all that concerned about, nor is the kickoff game. I mean, again, I think a lot of people will ask, well, how important is the kickoff game? Well, look, there were some times last year early in the season where we saw some kickoffs that didn't make it out of the end zone and the Tar Heel uh, coverage units were not great. Mac Brown talked a lot about that early in the year, especially with the punt coverage unit at times. These coverage units had some flaws in them. So for... Jonathan Kim to be as consistent as he was was big. He's back again this year. He's going to be handling that role again. The one that you talk about when you talk about the guys that will be kicking the football is place kicker. And look, you uh, you know end up you know letting Noah Ruggles walk. He goes, interestingly enough, to Ohio State. I found that pretty interesting that that's where he ends up. He's going to go there and bomb, like, everything, He's He's going to go 35 of 36 uh, on field goals this year, including 20 of 20 from 50-plus, right, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, we wish him the best. I I don't know how that's going to work out. But for Carolina, they've got a guy in Grayson Atkins that came in off of a historic career at the FCS level at, at Furman. Uh, Last year wasn't bad, didn't get off to a great start, but really sort of found his groove as the year went along. And Mac Brown has said that he's liked what he's seen from him so far in the spring. Uh, And I I feel like going into this year, uh, there is a reason to be confident in Grayson Atkins. I don't know if he's going to be one of the best kickers in the ACC, but I think if he can do what he did at the end of last year, there's reasons to be confident. I think so because I do think if they weren't confident in him, they would have been more proactive, whether through the portal. I know they recruited and added a kicker in the class in finding that guy. Um, and, I, you know, I just think, you know, you look at this, the first part of the schedule. You got games. You got the game at Virginia Tech. You play Miami in October. I think those are games that you, you're going to need to make a field goal or two that are going to sway that game. Well, what would make you think we got to hit a field goal to win the game at Virginia Tech? Oh, was it maybe the last time when you went to six overtimes yeah. and had two chances to win the game? Yeah, that's probably it. And, and so, uh, you know, hopefully he is back to the guy that was at Furman and, as you said, was a historic kicker at the FCS level mm-hmm. because it would take the pressure off of this offense to go put up a touchdown every single time because that's not that's not realistic even with last year's offense, but even so with this year's offense, they're not going to put the ball in the end zone. But you got to get to the point when you're inside the 40, you're settled, you can be confident in taking a field goal as opposed to just going for it on fourth down. Yeah, and I think he got to that point late last season. I think there's a lot of confidence in him going into the year. You've got Jonathan Kim who's behind him, who you, you know, from – what we've seen from him on kickoffs. He's a guy that is probably improving as well when it comes to the kicking game. But I feel like Grayson Atkins, and and, and this is another thing that I think really helps him. Even last year, it felt like he was going to be the guy, 
But you always had Noah Ruggles behind him who had experience of being that full-time starter the year before where it may, things it went may have that hindered bad. him in a lot of ways. Right. So now this year, he's the guy. He's your guy. Look, Jonathan Kim is, is a fantastic kickoff guy. We've seen him kick one field goal in his career <laughs> against Duke. No offense, Jonathan, it wasn't the greatest kick ever. Now, he's probably a little bit better than he was then, but you, you would be turning it over to a group of guys that have kicked one career field goal at the college level. That's something that I, I don't think the staff wants to do. So they're going to be pretty much putting all their chips in the middle on Grayson Atkins. And I think that this year you feel a little bit better about that than you did last year. You look at the rest of the group. Um, they didn't end up landing anybody through scholarship. Okay, These are both walk-ons. You said they recruited guys. They still They're, recruited them. They are just they recruited them to be walk-ons. Preferred walk-ons. That when, happens. When you say that, I think people might be concerned that they Luke did use Luke May a was a preferred walk-on and got a scholarship and beat a, and hit a shot to beat Kentucky. Anything is possible no, as a preferred walk-on. No, was originally going to be a preferred walk-on, then received an offer I was a before. I was a preferred walk-on coming out of high school as well. I just chose yeah. To you be were a preferred walk-on to this show. That was about as close. I as chose you got media to over a D three college basketball career. That's what happens. What D three school was this? Spartanburg Methodist, which is a legitimate school. They're a great baseball factory. Um, I may need to do some investigating. <laughs> I will be calling the athletic department to see if there are any records send of recruiting. That shirt, send them that church basketball highlight tape and they got recruited after it as preferred walk. Gee, yeah, I'm sure about that. I don't know why they would recruit somebody that was sitting on the bench in the background of all the other guys scoring, but we'll go with that. Um, you got uh, Todd Pledger, who comes out of Mount Island High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Big, lanky dude at 6'5 and a half, 175 pounds. Uh, kind of, you know, did both in high school, was a punter, pretty successful as well, good place kicker as well. And then uh, Tegan Linderink, who comes uh, from Brentwood Academy, uh, you know he's a big-time guy because he was originally from Belmont, Michigan. That's a school that is a private school, so they do recruit guys. So there's a reason that he was on that roster. Good success at the high school level as well, worth keeping an eye on. Guy that is returning to the group from a year ago and is intriguing to a certain extent uh, because he was one of the better kickers the prior year uh, in the state of North Carolina at the high school level uh, before, of course, redshirting last year was Noah Burnett. That's another name to keep an eye on in that kicking room. The guys that make up the punting room, Cole Maynard, if that name sounds familiar, it should. Brad Maynard, his dad, played at the NFL level, of course, was a punter, most notably for the Chicago Bears during uh, his time at the NFL level. And uh, his son will be coming in. He's going to be a punter. Did some of both in high school, but really focused on punting down the stretch of uh, his career there uh, under his dad, who was his position coach. And then Adam Buck, who is a junior, he is also going to be back uh, providing depth there. At punter, uh, the long snappers for this year, uh, they do end up losing Trevor Collins, who handled the field goals and uh, extra points. I'm not sure if that's going to go over to Spencer Triplett this year. I think that's definitely possible. Uh, he's a guy that uh, came from Shelby High School, uh, was a preferred walk-on last year. And, of course, you got a guy uh, that Carolina got a year ago uh, on scholarship who will be handling the punting snapping, and that is Drew Little, very consistent last year in his first year doing that. So he will be back uh, for that unit as well. So now let's talk about the kick punt returners. Uh, this is... One that, I'm going to be honest with you, there are not a lot of answers here. 
Uh, Carolina, you know, Michael Carter handled the kick returns uh, the last couple of years. Daz Newsome, as you know, was not quite on the same level as the guys that came before him. But those were pretty lofty standards to have to live up to, especially uh, with what Ryan Switzer did. That's still fresh in a lot of people's, uh, a lot of Carolina fans' minds. But Carolina is going to have to replace both of those guys this year. It looks like punt returner probably going to be Josh Downs. He did a little bit of that at the high school level. Uh, also, really shouldn't be shocking. Good speed. Uh, he was. When they did some of these camps, uh, when he was going through before his senior year of high school, consistently the fastest guy at all of those camps. And you're talking about with him being from the Atlanta area, competing against some of the best in the country at a lot of those camps. So his speed combined with his shiftiness makes a lot of sense why he could be a guy out there. Kick returner, you're looking for more of those guys that have really good straight line speed, track speed. There are a couple of guys like that on the roster, and I think this one's probably the one where there aren't quite as many clear answers. Josh Downs is a guy that I think a lot of people are looking towards as someone that could be in this race as well. But I think there are other interesting guys here. Uh, mainly, I think Choffrey Brown's the guy that you look at. You talk about a guy that's got track speed. He did it in high school, was one of the better track stars in the state of North Carolina in his senior year. Uh, a lot of people have talked about the fact that he um, has, you know, shown that he has better speed than his brother. Uh, we talked about that a little bit when we were previewing the wide receiver, so I think he's another guy uh, that could definitely be in play there. And then don't sleep on the transfer running back, Ty Chandler. He did a little bit of that at Tennessee as well. Carolina has talked, or the coaching staff, primarily Matt Brown, has talked a lot about the fact that he is very quick in open space. He can make defenders miss. So that could be something they could also take a look at there. And as we saw the last couple of years, they are not opposed to putting one of their top running backs out there to return kicks for them. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be the question, though, is we understand that the running back is going to be by committee, but we expect Ty Chandler to separate himself as the, as the lead dog in that running back room. If that happens, do you think he gets taken off the punt return duties or kickoff return because you don't want to risk injury, which is the, that's the most injury-plagued possession in football? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that there's a chance he's your second guy that's out there. You know, Carolina sort of had, you know, they had Michael Carter – and a few years ago was Antonio Williams. I don't remember who they remember had. That. I don't remember who they had last year that was out there with them. I think he may have just been the solo guy back there most of the time. But if they're going to do that again this year, where they're going to have two guys back there, Ty Chandler may be that second guy. Personally, I think if he's healthy. I think Choffrey Brown's your guy because he's got the straight line speed. He kicked returned in high school, and he was a really good one at that uh, when he was back at West Mech High School. I'd be kind of shocked if that's not the guy that they end up going with. Um, but I guess you never really know. I think I think there's a chance that that could happen. And I think there's, a, a, you know, if that ends up happening, if they're looking for another guy in that room, and again, this is not based on anything. This is the position group that is not covered really at all. Nobody has really asked these questions. And to be to be honest with you, maybe they ask it in fall camp. Why would you ask that in spring? They, I don't think they do a whole lot of punt, kick and punt return and coverage situations. They probably do a little bit of it, but they're mostly focused on installing your offensive, your defensive game plans, battling out those competitions on those two crucial sides of the ball and then worrying about special teams. Um, I think, just based on his high school career 
and his skill set. I think Elijah Green could be another guy that they look at there. He may not have the biggest role on um, on the offense, especially in that crowded backfield, but that could be one of those guys where he's got the speed uh, and it, it, he's, he did it at the high school level. Could he be a guy that maybe gets a look there if Ty Chandler uh, is needed as that number one guy? The biggest thing is, is when you ask that question, since Mac Brown's been back, they've never really had that scenario. They've kind of always had one, two, sometimes even three running backs that can rotate in that backfield, and the drop-off is not there. Now, look, I think that's definitely possible this year. We talked about a lot it a lot on the Running Backs podcast, but I think you're right. I think there is at least some chance that Ty Chandler could separate himself enough to where he could be your primary guy. There is a drop-off to the guys behind him, so you want him out there as often as possible, and could that limit you a bit on special teams? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that you got to, you know, I, I think that's the scenario that's could happen, um, and I think for Elijah Green, that's a great way for him to make an impact and make a name for himself mm-hmm. going into next year when Ty Chandler won't be here. He could put himself in a position to be maybe the front runner in that running back room to carry a share of the load if he can handle himself. Because everyone talks about how like that's a you know kickoffs are you know they they get less and less every every year. But when something bad happens, you always remember that whether you fumble it, you don't, you're not as you know you miss a hole. You know especially when we're on the same, we can see the hole a lot better as opposed when we're watching on TV. But right, and, right, and, right, and right. So it's those plays are impactful, especially when they becoming less and less. And so it's a good way for a guy like Elijah Green, whoever they put back there, to make a name for themselves, even Choffrey Brown, um, to help this team. Because I do think if Carolina can make you know one or two, they're gonna there's gonna there's gonna come a game though they're gonna have to make one or two dynamic plays in the in the return game. And you gotta hope you got the right guys back there that can do that because they haven't done it in the last couple of years. I mean, they've had some moments on in, in punt returns, but yeah, kick returns. It, it's been it has not been great for Carolina in terms of their kick returns the last few years. They just haven't had that guy. And I mean, look, you don't have to be T.J. Logan. That was a, a special time, especially when you had him and Ryan Switzer doing what he was doing. But you're just looking for a guy that, yeah, if your offense is struggling a little bit in that game against Virginia Tech or uh, in that game early in the season that you have to play against Virginia, that can sort of boost you just a little bit and put you in good field position to help your offense out. So we'll monitor all that stuff. Uh, We are going to be locked in on all of this stuff that's going to be decided in fall camp over the next few weeks here on the Heel Tough blog podcast and over on the Heel Tough blog website that's where all the articles are at we're going to get you ready for fall camp we're going to of course have everything that you guys need leading up to the season we'll of course be covering all of the press conferences from Mac Brown we'll give you the biggest takeaways whenever he does one of those press conferences however often that's going to be uh, throughout the fall and uh, also we'll keep an eye on you know some of the comments from players and if they have Phil Longo uh, as well as Jay Bateman throughout uh, the fall you would imagine at some point both of those guys will probably have media availability so we'll of course be keeping an eye on all that stuff for you giving uh, out any notes uh, that may be significant for you uh, in terms of that uh, and uh, look, guys, it's right around the corner. We are uh, when when this gets posted, we are more than likely going to be at a month or less than a month before the start of 
the upcoming season for the Tar Heels. This 2021 season is about as hyped as uh, any in Tar Heel football history. Carolina with some huge expectations, and uh, we're going to have you, you know, covered uh, wire to wire when it comes to the season uh, over on the website. Recap. Uh, trench report, stock report, all that stuff going to be back this year uh, throughout the season and of course before the season starts, bowl predictions as well as breakout candidates all going to be up there uh, on the website for you guys so make sure you are locked in and checking all of that stuff out when it comes to our coverage of Toriel football, Toriel basketball on the website as well, Josh is having you covered throughout uh, the summer, a little bit uh, you know dead here over the last couple of weeks but uh, you do have the schedule release that happened a few weeks ago. You can go back and check that out. And who knows? Maybe one of these days we will actually find out what the ACC schedule is going to look like this year. You never know. It can come out of nowhere. Got to uh, wait for that conference realignment to conclude, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's going well, to be at, the end of August where we get Well, the at ACC that point, schedule. if they're waiting for the conference realignment to finish, uh, we may have that by next week. You never really know. Who knows? By that time, the we may not be waiting on the ACC schedule. We may be waiting on the Pac-12 schedule or something like that. Who knows? Nice. Uh, you never really know with conference realignment. But uh, we, we've got you know you covered on on all of those fronts, uh, both on the website and on the Four Corners podcast as well uh, for everything basketball. So make sure that you guys check that out. Uh, all that stuff can be checked out on the Facebook page. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page, guys. Uh, that'll get you access to all of uh, the great articles that we just mentioned all these great video podcasts and the audio editions of the podcast if you want to listen to that make sure that if you are a listener to the audio editions of the podcast you are uh, subscribed so that you don't miss any of the episodes of either podcast you can find both the heel tough blog podcast and the four corners podcast on any of your major podcast platforms uh, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, any of those it is in there make sure you hit that subscribe button uh, and then, uh, you know, on the Facebook page, like I mentioned, all that great stuff up there as well as other great stuff that we'll have throughout the season. So make sure that you guys uh, are uh, following that page for us. We'd greatly appreciate that. Same thing over on Twitter. Make sure that you guys follow the Twitter page at Blog on Twitter. And then you uh, also hit that follow on our personal pages at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for Josh. And then if you want to follow our recruiting analyst, he's our he's the guy that's on. Uh, when we break down some of these uh, recruiting additions for the Tar Heels, you can follow him at HackZubbard2 on Twitter. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast and the previews for the Tar Heels uh, positions for the 2021 season. Make sure you guys go check out all of those uh, previous editions of the podcast as well as the articles on the website. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me tonight. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!